Hello, this is Jason Hall, the co-founder of Slow Roll and Ride Detroit, embracing the bicycle as a mode of transportation to get around busy cities. And I'm Aniela Kuzan, co-founder and global lead of City Innovations, a team within Ford working with cities to place residents at the center of mobility innovation and design. City Talks is a new series from Ford where we discuss transportation challenges facing cities today and the innovative solutions individuals and cities are coming up with that's changing the way we move. This episode, we'll be talking to the city of Ann Arbor to learn how they're using data to understand the heartbeat of the city and to improve the quality of life for their residents. We're going to Raymond Hess, city planner for Ann Arbor. Hello, this is Raymond. Hey, Raymond. Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today. This is Jason over here. Hello, Jason. Hello, Aniela. Thanks for having me. I got to get right into this. And let me ask you, what are some of the challenges that Ann Arbor is facing relating to transportation? Yeah, so at the end of the day, we face the same problem that pretty much, you know, any entity faces, which is how do we make improvements with finite resources and competing interests? Um, Specifically, the things that we're looking at are safety. So the city has a Vision Zero uh, goal. So how do we realize our vision of zero deaths and zero serious crashes on our roadways in the next five years? Um, The other big issue that we deal with is congestion. So how can we allow for the mobility and accessibility of our residents, visitors, and freight within the community, in and out of the community, and just really give people the opportunity to get around the way they need to get around? Um, And then another big one is, um, what is our environmental footprint? Uh, The city just passed a carbon neutrality goal by 2030. So how can we minimize the environmental impact of our transportation decisions while still allowing for people to get around the community? So at the end of the day, really, it's how can we make smarter decisions with the existing resources we have um, to help achieve some of these different goals and mobility challenges within the community. Where have you seen that data be most helpful? Yeah, I think historically you've seen a lot of um, data collection related to automobile transportation over the last, you know, 50, 60 years or so. Um, And so there's really good data related to transportation related to the automobile. Um, You know, there are robust traffic counts all throughout the nation, throughout our region um, and in our city. Uh, There's really good data related to transit because transit agencies, you know, the buses have to report up to the federal government on how many people are riding, when and where. Um, But we don't have really great data sets for some other forms of transportation. Um, Bicycles and pedestrians in particular are some of those areas where there's kind of a gap in data. And in order to really understand the full transportation picture, it's important to understand, you know, where people are going, where they want to go, what routes they're using. So then that way we can make improvements to, you know, corridors and roadways to help accommodate movement of everybody, no matter which form of transportation they're using. And the good news is, you know, with, um, you know, there are new data sets that are coming up all the time. Uh, You know, there's uh, cell phone data, probe data uh, from, you know, different sources of information. Um, Some of it's proprietary and private, but you can acquire that. Uh, And then, you know, the scooters are are tracking data as well. So we have new data sets that we didn't have at our fingertips uh, a couple years ago that are now accessible to us. How is the data organized today? Is it in an easy to integrate and kind of see trends across um, those different inputs, or is it? Does that take work? It, it most of the time takes work, and it really depends on what it is you're trying to find out. 
so one thing that's kind of nice here in Michigan, there's a very robust state reporting system for crashes. So when we talk about safety data, uh, all the law enforcement agencies report crashes up to the state uh, and the municipalities, the counties, everybody has the opportunity to go look at that data. Uh, and it's, it's very robust. You can slice and dice the data several different ways to really understand, you know, where crashes are happening, why crashes are happening, uh, and so forth and so on. Um, however, even that data set is fairly incomplete because that is only reported crashes. So where we have uh, close calls or near miss, uh, we, those are not reported. Uh, when we look at other data sets, for example, though, uh, it, it's a much bigger challenge. So, you know, I mentioned, you know, just looking at vehicle counts and bicycles and pedestrians and how well that data is organized is really across the board. Some corridors, we might have smart sensors in the roadway that give us an ongoing count of vehicles, bicycles, pedestrians, but then you might go a street over and have nothing. And so it's really trying to figure out where those gaps are, what the needs are, and how to organize it in a way where you can make informed decisions. Uh, parking is a great example. Uh, this was the first time we looked at parking where we took um, parking data from the Downtown Development Authority and combined it with the University of Michigan to get a more holistic view of what the parking needs and demands and usage rates are across the city. Um, and so that, that was, again, the first time where we looked at things kind of through a new lens to figure out, you know, what the opportunities are, what the challenges are. Um, and even that exercise was somewhat incomplete because we don't have a good data collection uh, standard right now for on-street parkings. And I'm just curious, like, what about those who don't drive? I mean, are we helping them find bike lanes? Are we trying to get them to alternatives like e-bikes or scooters? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the, the partnerships we have going on kind of um, in conjunction with, with the one we're talking about with the City Insights platform is a relationship with Spin Scooters. Uh, so Spin Scooters has been um, sharing data with us, uh, and so we have a pretty robust data set now that shows where people are starting their trips, where they're ending their trips, and which routes they are actually taking. Uh, and this is really important information for a transportation planner because it helps us identify those desire lines, where people want to go and what routes they're using to get there. And then that way we can evaluate the infrastructure to see how well it accommodates people's needs. Uh, you know, do we have adequate bicycle lanes? And, and we're, we're really looking at kind of next generation style bicycle lanes where uh, they're protected or buffered. So instead of just a single line on the road, we actually, you know, provide some buffer between the bicycle lane and the vehicles. Um, what are those opportunities around town based on where we're seeing usage trends happening? Um, for pedestrians, uh, you know, there's a, a heavy pedestrian concentration, especially in downtown and, and the university setting. Uh, where are those crossings happening? What can we do to ensure that people are crossing safely? Uh, what infrastructure can we do to really make sure that everybody is interacting in as safe a way as possible so that we can achieve that goal of, of zero fatalities and zero uh, serious crashes on our roadway network? Yeah, I think it's it's super interesting to hear you you know, talk about in particular the way that we collect the data. I know one of the things that we've talked about a lot is that it can be very expensive uh, to collect, uh, even in its limited form. And especially when a city is trying to pilot a new solution, whether that's a dedicated lane for bikes or a new service, oftentimes they have a very short period of time in which to demonstrate benefits. Yeah, definitely. You know, 
transportation is all about moving people, not moving cars, right? And so we need to really understand what are the most efficient ways to move people around our community. Which areas should we focus on transit investments for, you know, buses or, or other forms of transit? Um, which corridors make the most sense for bicycles and pedestrians? And, and, you know, I should note that the city has a complete streets policy whereby every roadway project we have, we try to accommodate all users of that corridor. But at the same time, there's, you know, a realistic constraint that, you know, the road is only so wide uh, and we have to kind of figure out what those trade-offs are. So it's really about kind of that resource allocation of how many lanes do we dedicate to vehicles? How many lanes do we dedicate to transit? How many, you know, bike lanes can we put in? And what, is it a buffered bike lane or, or um, something else? And then how wide should the sidewalks be? And so having a more robust and complete picture of what's happening in our, in our community really helps influence which areas we target with the limited resources we have so that we can make the most bang for our buck. You know, we, we've had several um, instances recently where we've done some lane reconfigurations whereby we've actually looked at how much traffic is using the road and is there an opportunity for us to repurpose a, a travel lane, a vehicular travel lane for something else, for either bike lanes, transit, um, or, you know, um, maybe even wider sidewalks. Amazing. Amazing. So are these uh, partnerships helping the city? I mean, with congestion? They are. Uh, we, we do face a lot of uh, big city problems when it relates to congestion. So, you know, the city of Ann Arbor is roughly a community of about 120,000 people. Um, we have 80,000 people commute into our community every day. Um, so that's a fairly significant number. Um, and then that's not even considering things like game day where the the size of the town literally doubles you literally so, took the words out of my mouth yeah yeah so you know that that's a that's a challenge right i mean if you think about just you know a city of its size uh with the infrastructure we have just being able to absorb the amount of people that are coming into and out of the community every day um you know it, it it puts some strain on the system and so again it really gets back to one of the points i made earlier of how do we effectively move people, right? And so moving cars is one way of moving people, but are there other ways we can look at the right of way and how we move people maybe more efficiently than we are today? Uh, sometimes we can do that with tweaks to existing infrastructure. So, you know, can we look at our traffic signals and can they be retimed? Can they be made smarter? Uh, we have some Siemens products uh, out on some of our intersections, which are adaptive. So it can tell how many cars can get through the intersection and it'll change the signal timing length based on what it observes. Um, so that's one thing you can do, but then are there other, you know, higher profile projects? Do we wanna look at, you know, dedicated bus lanes, for example, um, knowing that we reach a certain capacity with how many vehicles we can move? What if we were to put transit and make it a higher magnitude so we can move more people along that corridor? So those are some of the things we're looking at right now uh, with our partners, such as the Ann Arbor uh, Area Transportation Authority, with the University of Michigan, with all of our other partners in the community. Um, and we're identifying some of those opportunities through a master transportation plan that we're currently working on and updating, which we hope to have available uh, and approved by next year. I'm really curious, you know, you, you brought up the, the idea of, or the word adaptive. Uh, one of the things that strikes me coming in and out of Ann Arbor is how different it is when school is in session, when classes are getting out, uh, when there is a game day uh, and you have, you know, thousands and thousands of students taking to the streets to, you know, cheer for the Wolverines. Um, I'm curious how you 
manage that kind of variation in in traffic, um, not just vehicular traffic, but pedestrian traffic. And I know, you know, one of the things we're really excited about is the use of data to be able to show how things are changing. Uh, I, I think we really need to be kind of nimble. We need to figure out what are those opportunities to be smarter um, and, and be more adaptive to the needs on the transportation network. So data is a big piece of that. Um, but it's, you know, we also need to take that data and turn it into information that we can use on our end and then also uh, help uh, users of the transportation network to use. Um, you know, we've We've had a lot of discussions um, with City of Detroit and even City of Windsor. There's a, a partnership right now through a World Economic Forum project to see what are the ways that we can kind of seamlessly integrate different modes of transportation and different forms of transportation into kind of single, you know, multi-purpose, multi-modal uh, transportation options. So then that way, all of your choices are kind of laid out before you. You can figure out, well, does it make sense for me to drive right now? Does it make sense for me to get a Lyft or an Uber? Does it make sense for me to get on transit? Does it make sense for me to walk or bike? What are the, what are my options available to me? How, how is that going to affect my commute? Um, the, the needs vary almost minute by minute throughout the community. Um, you know, we obviously have kind of the same um, rush hour traffic, the AM, PM peak that many other communities have, but then we have these huge crush loads of um, you know people that come into the community uh, for game day, which is great. You know it's, it supports our community, but it's a much different transportation pattern um, and needs of the community than you know what typical rush hour would be. So so there is not a one size fits all solution. It's definitely something that we need to be you know nimble with. We need to be adaptive with. We need to do some experimentation. Um, something else we're contemplating right now is like microtransit. Are there ways that we can look to do, you know, other forms of, of transportation, like instead of just big buses running around, can we do smaller kind of shuttle style buses that are a little bit more adaptive that can take people from, you know, um, point A to point B instead of just along a fixed route. So, so there's a lot of options out there. And really right now what we're trying to do is figure out which is the best mix to achieve what we hope to achieve related to safety and congestion. Looking towards next, what's next is really figuring out um, Vision Zero. We have a high focus on our vulnerable users. So in particular, pedestrians and um, bicyclists and scooters and, and people who you know, are out um, who aren't in the motor vehicle. But then we also have to look at motor vehicles as well, obviously. Uh, and so trying to figure out um, what measures can be taken to make our roads safer. And so we've been looking at best practices from other communities. Um, you know, are there ways that we can control speed in the community and, and slow traffic down? So then that way we, we know the chance of survival for anybody involved in a crash is greater if that crash is happening at slower speeds. So that's something we're looking at very intently. Uh, related to congestion, I think there's, there's a lot there for us to unpack. A lot of it has to do with how, um, where are people coming from? And where are they going? You know, we have a lot of different attractors in the city, both downtown and the medical complexes and the university. And so trying to figure out the movement within the city and the movement into and out of the city, especially during kind of those rush hour areas. Um, what can we do to facilitate kind of regional movement beyond just our city boundaries? Uh, and so is there a coordination that we can do with um, other adjacent communities or through our Ann Arbor Area Transportation Authority? I think a lot of those are really how um, we hope to, to really make movement 
in and out and around the city as, as seamless and as integrated as possible. And, you know, the, this kind of big data phenomenon, you can start to bring in data sets that are seemingly unrelated. But if you have a, a you know, a, a smart enough eye looking at them, which is not me, by the way, but if you have someone really looking at it in, in a, a very strategic way, you can kind of figure out those kind of relationships between, um, you know, whatever the case may be, weather, for example, uh, one of the, the City Insights platform experiments was, what is weather's impact on parking utilization rates? Is there a correlation between, you know, bad weather and people driving and parking? Um, and so, the, if I remember correctly, there didn't seem to be a one-to-one -one relationship. It didn't seem to be kind of a causal relationship for bad weather. But it is something that, you know, in the past, we had never thought to look at that before. Um, and so, when you, when you start to look at these things and experiment with different ways to pull in different data sets, it really can help identify relationships that you didn't know were there before. Um, and, you know, quite frankly, there's there's just new ways to also look at our right of way, you know, and kind of the next generation thing we want to look at uh, coming up is curb space management. You know, um, the nature of transportation has changed whereby, you know, Uber and Lyft and, um, you know, Uber Eats and Grubhub and, you know, all of these things are, are very kind of fast moving and and we don't the, the need for long-term on-street parking maybe is changing. And so what are the ways that we can kind of accommodate kind of this new economy, this sharing economy uh, in a way that still serves the needs of our residents and visitors uh, and also uh, the needs of commerce in the community. Um, and so as we start to look at gathering more data, we hopefully can be more informed in kind of that ever-changing space uh, and how we can allocate those resources for things like curbside management, for example. Wow. Well, I just want to thank you, Raymond, for coming on and hanging out with us today. I am blown away by the fact that I'm even more fascinated by data. Every time I talk about it, I always say, no more, but then I hear more about it, and it's so important in what we're doing today. And so uh, thanks again, Raymond, for coming on and hanging out with us today. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Angela. Man, data, data, data. You know, it's everywhere and they're pulling it. I mean, who would have thought, you know, that scooters would help them understand transport corridors by giving them data? I mean, most people think you get on and you get off, but they have to know where you start and where you end. And all that data plays into urban planning. I mean, you never think about this stuff when you're just seeing these people zipping around on the scooters. Yeah, it's incredible how there's all of these new sources of information and really impressive how the city of Ann Arbor is experimenting with how you integrate not only their own data sets, but also this new information from scooters, from private sector providers. And then also, I thought what was interesting from other institutions in the area like University of Michigan so that they could get a whole picture of what was going on in order to really take some new actions. That's it for this episode, and thanks for joining us. Don't forget to comment, subscribe, and rate us. Next episode, we'll talk to the city of Austin and learn how they identify racial equity issues in transportation.